greater than our unbelief, Lord. I thank you that the longer that we gaze at you, the bigger that you get. Lord, I just thank you that you're bigger than our distractions. You're bigger than anything that can entangle us or pull us away from you, Lord. So I just pray, um, even tonight, if there are things in this room that are distracting or pulling us away from you, I pray that we could focus our whole selves on you. And as we go back into the real world tomorrow and school week, Lord, I just pray that our gaze and our focus would be securely on you, Lord. I pray for students here tonight, maybe students that haven't um, accepted you as their Savior, Lord. I'm, I pray for conversations and discussions in group tonight, Lord. And I just thank you for this time and for these students who have willingly just come this weekend. It's been so joyful, Lord. So we thank you for that joy. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, hey, what's up? How's it going? Hey, open your Bibles, chill, chill, no, 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 no clapping. Hey, open your Bibles real quick to Romans, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be in verses 12 through 21, 12 through 21. All right. Hey, so it's been an awesome, awesome weekend with you guys. I hope you guys have enjoyed um, just what your leaders and what your pastors have, have prepared for you. Um, as you know, we have been walking through <clears throat> this idea of, God, would you revive our hearts? Would you revive um, the student ministry hearts? Would you revive the students that we encounter and we engage with outside of this church that, that you would begin to stir our affections for you? And so um, yesterday evening, we hit this idea, man, where do we find refuge? And we find refuge not in anything outside of, of Christ. It's, it's Christ that we find refuge in, that Jesus is somebody we can trust with our circumstances, with our temporary, with our feelings, with our emotions, with how we think, with what we do. And then um, this morning we hit this idea of renewal and this idea of rest, that, that actually it's Jesus. He is the antidote to our restlessness, our uneasiness, our, our struggles, our anxieties, our, our whatever it might be, our comparison game, that Jesus desires to help you find renewal and rest in Him and in Him alone. And so the analogy this morning as we began to dump the, that water into where those ping pong balls, it was an imagery that, that we, including myself, whether we were to believe it or not, we've sometimes placed specific things in this confined space thinking that God just doesn't care about it, that God doesn't see it, or maybe we've, con uh, we've uh, convinced ourselves that, well, I just don't know if He actually cares. And, and what we find to be true is that um, through the life and ministry and resurrection and death and, and the ascension um, of Jesus into the heavens is, is a reminder that actually Christ cares more about it than actually you even care about it. That he cares about it way more than you care about it. Um, and so tonight, we're going to begin to focus on the reason. And so I've titled this message, Give Me a Reason. Hey, say that with me. Give me a reason. Give me a reason. Joel, give me a reason why I would even care to follow this Jesus. Give me a reason why I would even have a desire to step into a relationship with him and, and find refuge in him. Give me a reason why what you're saying about renewal and rest is true. Give me a reason. 
I would love for you to give me a reason. And that's exactly what Paul in chapter 5 of Romans is going to do. He's going to give you a reason. And God forbid that you step into a place like this tonight. You hear these words, you read the inspired word, and you leave here unchanged. Now tonight, I'm going to beg you, I'm going to call you with the authority of God's word to respond. That you would respond and say, God, take my anxieties. God, take my life. Allow me to, to, to be a, a disciple for you. Give me a reason to believe that what you say in your word is actually true. And I'm confident that as we navigate through Romans 5, you're going to be leaving here knowing there is a God who loves me. There is a God who has a plan for me. There is a God that has a reason for my life, and you get the opportunity to choose. And for some of you, you're going to step forward for the first time and say, I need this Jesus. And for others, you're going to leave here knowing you need him, and you're going to stiff arm him. And Lord willing, that does not happen. But no matter what happens, I trust that God is going to work um, through what, what Paul has pinned down in Romans 5. But before, that, before we get there, um, uh, how many of you guys like Chips Ahoy? Huh? Great. Great. I love Chips Ahoy. I think Chips Ahoy are very good. Now, how many of you all like the lake? Huh? You guys take any lake trips? Huh? Some of your, your parents like to get lake houses. I can't afford that, so invite me over. I'd love to come and hang. I'll bring Chips Ahoy. So we go to, my wife and I go to uh, the lake um, every summer. I think it's paused this year. I think that, that our friend's grandparents sold the lake house. Shame on them. And so now we don't get to go. So now we're going to have to find somebody else to, to beg to use their lake house. But we love the lake. We go to the lake every single summer. And we, of course, when you go to the lake or on vacation, you buy what? Snacks. You buy as many snacks as you can, can carry or as your car can hold. You just buy as many snacks as possible. And one of those snacks is Chips Ahoy. Okay? You buy Chips Ahoy because you love Chips Ahoy. And uh, so, my, uh, so what Kelsey, a friend of ours who, who allowed us to go into um, that home and, and hang out with them for the weekend, um, she had bought some, some cookies. And so she gives me one of these cookies, and I'm thinking, it's a Chips Ahoy. This is wonderful. And I take a bite of this thing. Guys, it was not a Chips Ahoy. It was fake. It was a counterfeit Chips Ahoy. If you don't know what counterfeit means, it means fake. Say fake. fake. Yeah, it was fake. So I take a bite of this thing. What the dilge is this? Huh? What is this, Kelsey? I look at her. I'm like, Kelsey, what is this? She's like, it's a chipper. What is a chipper, Kelsey? She says it's, um, it's a Chips Ahoy. No, no, don't say, don't put those in the same, tent. what is this? She's like, it's a chipper. It's, it's the great value version of a Chips Ahoy. Now listen, I'm one of 11, grew up dirt poor. We love great value. But there's things you don't compromise on. For Shelby, my wife, you do not compromise on Jif peanut butter. You stick with the peanut butter. I don't give a lick. I'll take the great value. Chips Ahoy, you don't compromise on that. See, the thing about it is this. The chipper and the chips ahoy, they look the exact same, don't they? No. What? <laughs> they look pretty much the same, okay? Almost the exact same. So, chill, okay? But, real quick, though the packages are different, you open it differently, right? There's differences about it, but when I took a bite of the chipper, I knew this is not the, the glorious chip ahoy that I buy at Walmart once a week, Okay? And so what I began to realize is pretty quickly, 
I was able to sniff out the counterfeit. I was able to sniff out what was real and what was fake. And it's a funny story. It's kind of silly, but the reality is this, is I'm not willing to compromise on my chips ahoy, and Christ is definitely not willing to compromise on our relationship with you. That the reality is this, students, and this is the biggest thing I want you to get tonight, that there is a God above who sent a son who loves you well, and he will sniff out the counterfeit. That he desires a relationship with a true believer, and he will be able to sniff out if you are faithfully following after him or if you are fake. And I know that sounds crazy. Joel, that's, I don't think that sounds like God. Listen, God will not compromise on a relationship with you. He has a desire for you. He has a design for you. So when you say, give me a reason, God has given you a reason to live. He's given you a reason to pursue him. And the reason is this, that he sent his son to step onto a broken world to do the impossible, to pull off the unthinkable, and to pursue a relationship with an imperfect you, with an imperfect me. And so just like I was upset about my chippers and my chip ahoy, God, God wants to pursue the real authentic you. And so the real authentic you is what? It's broken. But what the joy of that is, is that we get to experience our brokenness and we get to hand over our brokenness to the one who loves us more than anybody else that's encountered you. And so Paul, he begins to walk us through, give me a reason. Joel, give me a reason why I should follow Jesus. Joel, give me a reason why I should trust this Jesus with my emotions and my relationships because I, I don't trust my parents. I don't trust my friends. Uh, social media isn't helpful. What, what's happened to me or what's happened to my buddy or my other friend isn't helpful. So how can I trust this Jesus? And what he's going to do is this. He's going to give you a reason. And, and the reason is very, very clear. And so if you're, ride, if you're writing notes, if you're taking notes, out of all the messages, this is the one I want you to take notes on. Because this is going to be a spread layout of the gospel. That the good news of the gospel is about to be shared with you and you with great joy, Lord willing, get to respond to it. And so Paul, in verses 12 through 14, he's going to give us a reason why we've hidden. The reason we've hidden. In verse 15 through 17, he's going to give us a reason that there's hope. A reason there's hope. And then in verse 18 through 21, there's a reason why we go. That if we believe this to be true, we go and we run with it. And so... Before I dive in, I want to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to hit the ground running, all right? Let's pray. King Jesus, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. I believe that you have already began to stir the hearts of, of leaders and students, even my, my heart, for your glory, that students are going to be um, able to hear your word, and they're going to be able to, to take it in, and, and then leaders are going to be able to walk alongside them in their D groups and say, hey, what does this look like practically for you? And Lord willing, would students tonight run to a leader and they would say, I need Jesus. That they wouldn't wait till their D groups. If they do, that's great. But that they would even do it following the message as we close. That students would say, I want this Jesus. I want to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then from there, that they would live a life that represents you well. And so would you bless the message? Would you allow these students to be attentive to your word? Would you begin to pierce their heart, stir their, their affections for you? And would you uh, bring clarity through your word, through my mouth, for your glory and for their good? In your name I pray, amen.
And so Paul, remember this guy, he was once a murderer, now he's a Christian, and people have attempted to murder him, and somehow he's escaped every time, and now he's kind of hitting home the main message, the main theme of Romans, and it's the gospel. And if you know what the gospel is, it's, it's, it's a simple good news. I would even argue that it is great news, that the good news of the gospel is that you are broken, but you are loved more than you'd ever thought you were. And so what we're going to experience tonight is a reason why we've hidden, and Paul begins that. He says this in verse 12. He says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people, because all have sinned. Let's pause there. So if you remember, we talked about this guy named Adam, not the pastor, even though he, ha- he is a sinner. Um, we're talking about Adam from the creation, the beginning of creation. Remember, we cr- God creates creation. He's like, man, I, this is good, and this is good, and then he creates Adam, and he's like, this is good, and then he creates Eve, and he's like, oh, this isn't good. i got to create Eve, and, and then he creates Eve, and then all of creation is in perfect harmony, and then what happens? Sin. Adam and Eve sin. And so what he's talking about here is he's saying there's this one man named Adam. Adam invites sin. He's tempted by the devil. He buys into it. And now all creation has, has sinned. All sin has spread to all people. Now I know for some of us, especially me at your age, I was like, well, that's not fair. Like, just because of somebody else's screw up, why do I have to face it? And I would encourage you to, to let's, let's think about the bigger picture. Maybe, maybe, you know, you're right. That isn't fair. That's not fair that somebody else sinned, and so you, you get the short end, uh, end of the stick, right? But if we were to start your life over, you're perfect. You're spotless. You're sinless. Could you tell me with confidence that you wouldn't step in and just all of a sudden be perfect your, your entire life? No, because, because you and I were created to follow the one who can do that. It's Christ. And so all of a sudden, what we begin to find is that death spread to all people because all have sinned. And in fact, he says in verse 13, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin the likeness of Adam's transgression. And if you have a Bible, if this is your Bible, don't do it if it's not. Circle this this closely. It says, He is a type of coming one. He, Adam, is a type of coming one. First point, the reason we've hidden. The reason we've hidden. So what we begin to find is this. That at the beginning of creation, we experience God's perfection. That God, the creator of the universe, the the creator of the cosmos, the little things that you see in the ocean and in the trees that, that are bringing life to new trees and new trees and new creation, that God is the perfect king of the universe and the creator. He is creator of all things that you see. And to rightly understand the gospel, we must know the God of the gospel, that there is no good news if the right king is not on his throne, there is a reason why he is on his throne and you are not on his throne. That the standard for our behavior comes from God and his perfection. And so God, who is perfect, creates a perfect world that is, that is now in chaos because of sin, but then he sends a perfect son. And so what do we see? Sin's destruction. The reason why you and I hide behind a mask is because of sin. The reason why we don't want people to know of that we looked at this yesterday or we said this last week or this happened to us or we did this to somebody is because we are afraid that it will expose us. 
We're afraid that somebody might shame us. We're afraid that, oh no, like if this person knows, if God were to know, he might not look at me the same. And God is not you. God is not me. That God doesn't shame you in when you disbehave. He says, listen, come to me. That the greatest thing Jesus Christ, God himself, will do is to point you to himself. And so this is what happens, that the reason we've hidden because, is because of sin's destruction. We hide behind a mask because of sin's destruction. We find that in Romans 3.23, that it says, For all have sinned and fallen short. Every single person that you see, that you've looked in the eyes, have, has fallen short of the glory of God. In John 3, 19-20, it says that people love the darkness over the light. That we, believe it or not, like the darkness over the light. That though God created each of us to live in right relationship with Him under His perfect authority, each of us, me included, have rebelled and tried to become the authority of our, of our own lives. We've tried to become God. We've tried to put our place in God's place. Our problem is not primarily a behavior problem, but a heart problem. That sin is anything we think or do that breaks God's law. If you have ever broken God's law, if there's anything that has not like, gotten to the standard of God, if we've, if we've come below that, then we have broken God's law. We have sinned. And it's hard to admit it, but we love the darkness over the light. That sinning is easy. It's easy to give it over into temptation. That even for some of us, sinning can be fun at times. And I know that sounds silly. You don't hear that often. But sinning is also dangerous because our sin leads to death. The things that we do that oppose God's law, that oppose his perfection, will lead to death one day. And ultimately, it was our sin that put Jesus Christ perfect son of God on our cross, that he died on the cross that you and I deserve to die on. And so the reason we've hidden is because we, all of us in this room, have sinned. But there's hope. And Paul is writing this down. He says, but he, Adam, but you are a type of coming one, that there's this guy who does what we cannot do, and it's Jesus. And he continues, so there's a reason we've hidden Give me a reason why I should follow this Jesus, Joel. Well, first, reason one is you're a sinner. So believe it or not, you need help. Middle school, you need help. High school, you need help. You can't live this life alone. And so Paul then begins to shadow this coming one. And so the second point, the reason there's hope. In verse 15, he says, But the gift is not like the trespass. So Paul, now he's beginning to, sh- to shine light on this hope. There's this, there's this glimmer of hope even in the midst of your darkest season. For if by the one man's trespass the many have died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And so this is called the great exchange. That there's perfection, imperfection, you, me, and he's shifting it. The great exchange is about to take place here. And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. If by the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace 
and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Point two, the reason there's hope. The reason there's hope. The way we experience hope is acknowledging Jesus' necessary death and resurrection. That God sends a perfect human being, fully God, fully man, to live an awesome life, a perfect life. But there is a necessary death, and don't forget this part, a resurrection three days later. That in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he is the one who became sin, though he knew no sin. That Jesus becomes sin on our behalf so that you and I can experience this glimmer of hope. In Romans 8.32, he did not even spare his own son, but he offers Jesus Christ for us all. That even you are not too far from God. You are not too far from saving. That God wants you, and he displays that on a bloody cross. In John 3, 16 through 17, many of us might know this well, that it says, For God so loved the world, even you, that he gives his only son. He didn't have multiple. He had one son, perfect, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then it continues that he did not, God did not come to condemn the world. His goal wasn't to shame you, but it was to save you through his perfect son, Jesus Christ. This is where our hope lies. That if you want to experience rest and renewal in Jesus, it comes on a bloody cross. It comes surrendering all these things at the foot of the cross. If you want to find refuge, it comes through the person, the one man, Jesus Christ. And so Paul's writing this down, that our sin problem rightly separated us, you and me, from the perfect son of God. God in his love sent us Jesus in place of our sin. His death on the cross paid the punishment that we deserved, and his resurrection demonstrated the finality of his work. Our sin is fully paid for on the cross. Your sin is fully paid for on the cross. It is seen as no more if you give your life over to Jesus. No longer are you defined by that. You see, Satan, he knows you by your name, and he calls you by your sin, but Christ knows your sin, yet calls you by your name. Loved, liked, adored, son, daughter, enjoyed. Christ wants a relationship with you. And for some of us, we are holding back. Listen, God is not asking you to hold back. He's asking you to move forward so that Christ can take it all. In short, this is the extraordinary, massive love of God. This love is laser-focused on you, that God's perfect heart was displayed through the giving of a perfect son to an unworthy us. The only son is our only entry point back to Jesus, the only one given by God, the only one acceptable to God. There is no other way. There is no hope outside of Jesus Christ, students. And if we run to social media, if we run to relationships, if we run to comparison, listen, it will just continue to show us our sinful nature. That relationships only last so long. Comparison only makes us feel good for so long. Social media, if anything, ruins us even more. But Jesus shows us that there is hope through him. And so no longer is it your goodness for your badness. It's your surrender to Christ versus your rebellion towards him. That Christ has simplified everything for you and for me. We don't have to rage war. All we get to do is surrender. 
that God in His loving and His lovingness has provided everything we'll ever need through Jesus. Christ took the nails. Christ took the whipping. Christ took the, the pierced side. He took the rejection. He was the one who was spit on. He was the one who was uh, slapped. He was the one when, when he was in the middle of his death process, everybody dispersed. He's the one who, who did what you and I should have been doing. So we get the easy route, and we get to now surrender to the one who, who took our pain and our punishment on himself. And so Paul is saying this, listen, there's a reason why you and I have hidden. But even in our hiding, there's a reason why there is hope. Students, there is hope for your circumstance. And even if your circumstance does not change, there is still hope in the middle of it. That we found this to be true, that Jesus Christ that he feels closest with his people when suffering hits. Why? Because that was nothing, that that was something that he never intended us to experience. Yet he still desires for us to have a relationship with him. And so tonight, for you, you get to, like, respond to this Jesus. You get to give your life over to this Jesus. If you've already given your life over to this Jesus, then there's one other thing you ought to do. And Paul finishes this in verse 18 through 21. He says this, so then, as though one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So listen, if you have sinned, there is condemnation for you, but also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everybody. So Jesus replaces that, and he says, if you give your life over, you're justified. No longer are you what you were. You are now a child, you are a daughter, you are a son of the king. For just as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Get this, so also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. You should be defined as a sinner, yet Christ defines you as righteous, loved, adored, simply because he took the punishment upon himself. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, highlight this one, Grace multiplied even more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You do not experience eternal life without Jesus Christ as the head. It is only through the person and work of Jesus Christ we experience life and life abundantly. That you and I experience grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace even in the middle of our sinning. That this gospel, this hope must land on each and every one of us. Impact us in a way that is supernatural. That changes us personally. That propels us forward to go and tell. That this gospel should pierce your heart and it should transform you like we talked about this morning forever. Because if you have been saved by Jesus Christ, then you should go and tell other people. And so the final point is this, the reason we go. That if God has changed your life forever, if God has radically put you from sinner to saved, if he has changed your identity, then listen, you get to go and tell people what Jesus has done in your life. That if you are saved by this Jesus, you get to spread the good news and you get to tell friends and family what he is doing each and every day. And if you struggle to believe that God loves you, listen, you did not ruin God's plan. I did not ruin God's plan. We are his plan. 
that we get to pursue the unlovable. We get to pursue the undeserving for his glory. And we get to experience that same glory from the one who loves us more than anybody else has ever loved you. And so we experience salvation by grace through faith. And if you do not know this Jesus, listen, this is what the Bible says. That if you believe with your mouth that Jesus, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That you and I, we get to believe that Christ is who he says we are. We get to acknowledge with our tongues that Christ did really rise from the grave. And then we get to receive him as Lord and Savior. And we get that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave living inside of us. And so students, the reality is this, that the work of Christ on the cross, it demands a response. And tonight, either you will choose to be silent or you will choose to go and tell. And so for some of you tonight, you get to experience new life in Jesus Christ. That for the first time, when you say, give me a reason, the reason is right at your doorstep. You're a sinner. And you have a God who is pursuing you uncontrollably so that you would experience life and life abundantly. And from there, you get to now go and tell that the gospel is about God establishing his kingdom and we get to be participants in that mission by sharing the good news because you and I were not saved to be silent. We were saved to go and tell. And so I want to close with this, that as Paul is writing, if you, if you remember, we went back to the Chips Ahoy and Chippers, that I was able to pretty quickly figure out, hey, this is not a Chips Ahoy. This is counterfeit. And I said it again that for you all, that God, he will not compromise on our relationship with you, that he desires that the gospel would be your great identity changer. And so as we close, as we have a response song, this is what I want us to do. I want you not to just get up and be like, all right, we heard a message and we go, I would like you to figure out what would it look like for you just to take this time to pray, to go find a leader and have a conversation to maybe give your life over to Jesus, to tell a leader, hey, like, I think I want to follow Jesus. I think this is becoming real to me. And if that is true, listen, the gospel becomes your great identity changer. From lost to found, wrecked to redeemed, captive to free, an orphan to a child of Jesus Christ, broken to a new creation, sinner to forgiven, dead to alive. The gospel changes who we are, to who we run to, to where our hope is found. Have you found refuge in Jesus? Have you experienced renewal and rest in Jesus? And are you willing to, willing to trust that when you ask, give me a reason, the reason is only found, listen, in Jesus. And if you know that, are you willing to go and tell everybody that you've ever met? Now it's your turn. Let's pray. King Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that Paul is saying, listen, I shouldn't be here. There's no reason why I, who have murdered hundreds of Christians, should be able to stand on this platform and write about the goodness of God. There is no reason why you should have pursued him, yet you still lovingly loved him well, 
cared for him and invited him into a personal relationship with you. And if, if Paul, out of all people, if he is worthy to, to step at your, foot, at your feet, to, to, to praise your name, then there is, there is room for us at your table as well. And so if there is a student here tonight who is wrestling with their identity and they're wondering, what would it look like for me to really give my life over to Jesus? Would they do what Paul did? And would they just shout from the rooftop, I want Jesus? And would you, in your kindness, invite them into a personal relationship with you? If there's another student here who just says, man, I know you, you are good. I know Jesus is faithful, but man, I'm really wrestling with a few things. Would they be bold just to ask a leader or a group of friends just to pray with them? That, that you would not allow the evil one to have a, a foothold on anybody that you would keep him far away even in this moment because he desires to attack because we know this to be true, that the battle has been won on your side. And so his goal is just to take as many with him as possible. And so would none of these students be that? But would they respond faithfully to your word? That goodness, they can find refuge in you. That their uneasiness can be, be fixed. They can find rest and renewal in you and then they get the opportunity to give others a reason why, why living is valuable, and it's simply because it's found in you. We thank you for what you did this weekend and what you're going to continue to do following. We do this for your glory, and would we be better from it? And it's your name we pray. Amen.